0: Not many times that you can say that you're speaking to an actual legend. Not many times you can say that you're speaking to an iconic figure of professional boxing. There has been no one, as far as I'm concerned, that had a more devastating right hand and a more solid jab than the man that I'm about to introduce. The man was a six times world champion at six different weights the man made history to become the first man ever to win five world championships he's been in some great fights some legendary fights he's fights with shagre leonard his fight with marvin hagler which is one of the greatest first rounds that i've ever witnessed and his destructive punching power that KO'd the great roberto duran without further ado for you fire is right listeners dream it believe it become it coming up mr tommy the hitman Hearns. How you hello i'm doing really good i'm so so honored to speak to you my friend so so honored i'm I'm humbled that you you've given me this time uh, me as a kid growing up watching you it's really weird in boxing. It's like most of the people that I grew up watching, I've even got their number in my black book, and so it's like it means a lot to me now. I've got your number in my black book. I'm just, I'm just really, really um grateful to you, sir. How are you keeping, hey. sir?
1: Fine. I'm doing good. No good. No problem. Um,
0: Mr. Hearns, you've had, you've had like so many great fights, right? And and you've done some fantastic things in professional boxing. Like, how did you start? How did you get into the gym?
1: Um, just one day, I was on, just on the East. I, I still on the east side of Detroit, and one day I seen a, a group of guys going to the gym, catching bus going to the gym. And so I asked them, "Where are you guys going?" They were going boxing training. I said, "Can I go?" They said yes. Yeah, so. I ran home after my mother my mother can I go and then it all started.
0: Okay. Okay. Cause like you were in the legendary cronk gym. I remember Manuel Stewart training you from when you was in the amateurs. Um and you wasn't a puncher then at all. Uh I remember your fight, your fight in the in the national final you were against um Aaron Pryor, which you came up second best in. But he was only a kid then. He was like 16, 17 years old.
1: Wow, so I'm about 15, I think. 15,
0: 15 exactly. 15 years old, right? Once you turned pro after not qualifying to go to the Olympics, how did you change to start being such a devastating puncher, start knocking out everybody?
1: Well, my training man started working more with we'll be punching more because he said I have the ability to punch. So he wanted, to work with me more, more so than boxing, he wanted to work on my punching because I had the boxing skills kind of, kind of down pack, but he wanted to work more with me with my punching too. So once I started learning how to punch, I, I box I boxed for a while and then I say over, then I would punch harder.
0: Yeah, because like, you would also like, you knew how to, to explode on impact, like many, many fighters, Try to punch through the target, but you never used to do that. Like your jab would explode on impact, and so would your right hand. Is that something that Manuel Stewart taught you?
1: Yeah, uh, to follow, follow the right hand, come behind the right hand, come out the left hand with, with the right hand, and when I, I left with the jab, and I came back with the right hand, that was totally powered behind it. Yeah, it was, it
0: was it was vicious. It was vicious because you gotta think you were. Very young, when you became world champion, when you knocked out, um, Pepino, Pepino Quavers, and I remember that right hand because like, what he just went like that before. Any you young guys who are listening right now, go and watch Thomas Hearns versus Pepino, Pepino Quavers, of uh, um, 1980.
1: No, nineteen, nineteen. I think it was 1979. You think? 98,
0: I was wrong. Yeah, I'm talking when you knocked out for on Quavers. When you knocked out Quavers. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You no, know. it's all right. It's all right. August, it's all right. August, August 2nd, 98.
0: That's right. That knockout was horrid, making you lose. You, you was a second ever Kronk world champion. Hill McKinty was a few months before you when he won the lightweight title. Right. I know my stuff, sir, right? But... <laughs> Right, but then you, but then you, you—that was a devastating knockout. Because I remember when you clapped him with that right hand. I remember like Muhammad Ali was in the audience, yeah. right? And you were there chanting all the crowd, Ali, Ali, Ali. And then you knocked out Quavers with that shot, and Quavers corner man didn't even hesitate, didn't even make the count even start. The referee didn't get to a one. he just threw the towel in. Vicious, vicious punching. Like, do you think, like, that kind of punching power, because you weren't originally a puncher, but maybe you was. It was inside your your DNA, because I haven't seen vicious knockouts like that. You used to knock guys. It was horrible.
1: Yeah, yeah. my thing was I, I learned how to put my weight behind my punches. Once I learned how to shoot my weight behind the punches, I began all began there. One of the put the weight behind the punches. I was wrong, I was all over there.
0: Right. Because like after you becoming a world champ, um you were like big business in Detroit. It was like it was it was crazy. Did you did you ever like when you started boxing, do you ever think that you were gonna get to the heights of what you got to?
1: Mm. I thought my my favorite fighter was Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And I watched Muhammad Ali fight and seeing how he fought, and I said, I wanted to fight just like Muhammad Ali. I want to I want to do the same thing Muhammad Ali does. And me trying to pound myself out to Muhammad Ali made it, made an easy job for me because I want to go out there and show that I that I really can box.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but did you think that you was going to be as big as what you was? Because you, you, you're an icon. No, so, no, did you think you no. were going to get there?
1: No. No, I never. I, I didn't think about that because I I, I want to, to be as big as Muhammad Ali. Okay. My thought was to be, be like Muhammad Ali, go out there and be him, knock him out. Muhammad, Muhammad Ali wasn't knocking him out, he was out-boxing everybody. I wanted to out-box him. I also want to have the ability to knock him out as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. See, like, so, like, when we go for your, we go for your career, September of 81, after you've had like, I think it's like three or four defenses of your title. Um, I remember you, you and Sugar Ray Leonard both fought, uh, that was the night when Ray Leonard became, um, the junior middleweight champion. Um, when he knocks out I am Kalule, and you boxed on the same card, and, uh, you, was it Pablo Baez you boxed?
1: Pablo Baez.
0: Yeah, Pablo Baez, and you stopped Pablo Baez, and they were talking to Ray Leonard, and they said, oh, um, I'm Ray, um, you and Marvin Hagler, you said, yeah, Marvin Hagler's one of the greatest champions ever, and I, but you know who's next? Tommy Hearns. You were only 21 then. Yes. Right? You're only twenty-one. And I remember speaking to Emmanuel Stewart um in two thousand eight, April two thousand eight. Um I was fortunate enough to be out in Vegas for the Bernard Hopkins Joe Kawasaki fight. So we had dinner together and we got to speak and and he and um what Emmanuel Stewart said he said like that loss um what you took in that fight it, he, he found it very difficult to to get accustomed to. He couldn't really take it. It was like, he said it was like death. And a lot of people, um, in Detroit, Michigan, who came to the fight, did you, did you actually realize the weight of expectation that you were carrying on, on the whole of your cities, on, on your city? Cause like the whole of your city was like on your shoulders. Do you realize how, how much of an iconic figure you were?
1: Well, I, I knew I had a lot of weight to carry, but I was, I was, I, I was a forward. I wanted to do it because I wanted so badly to win. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even though the way it was against me, I didn't let it face me at all because all I want to do is win, go out there and win. Mm-hmm. the only so, thing was on my mind, win. Do the best you can do, but win.
0: Mm-hmm. Because I remember after that fight, which you were up on the scorecards and and in the press conference after you famously said, um, Detroit, I shall return. And what way that you did it because you, you stuck to your words because after that you moved up in weight, you fight Wilfred Benitez, who is one of, one of the most underrated world champions in okay. history because the man became a world champion at 17 years old, yeah. right? When he beat Cervantes, uh, he goes on, he has the fight with Sugar Leonard where he gets stopped. That was like November of 79. Um, then he moves up in weight and he knocks out the guy from where I'm from, from the UK in Morris Hope, which is a horrid shot that he knocks him out with. That was a horrible, horrible shot that he knocks out Morris Hope with. Um And then he de- he, he defends against Roberto Duran and then he fights you. And we had Mark Breland on a few years ago. And Mark Mark Breland loves you. You do realize that, right? Yeah, Mark
1: he, he Michael.
0: Mark Breland loves you to bits. And Mark Breland was saying like his favourite fight is you. And I remember like you used to spar, you spar with Mark. I've seen you when you spar, you clap him with a right hand and he's kind of gone. But because it's like the sportsman inside of you, the gentleman inside of you, you kind of allow him to walk it off and then you continue sparring. Like when you fought Wilfred Benitez, how difficult was it to try and catch him cleanly? Cause this guy was known as being very elusive.
1: Well, I, I knew once I, once I was able to hit him with my left hand, the jab, I knew it was going to be just easy for the right hand to get through. Cause the jab, the jab stopped me. They held him, held it in for a and the right hand just probably right behind it hurt mm-hmm.
0: him. You go from then, um, you fight Roberto Duran. Yes. Now I'm saying to anyone, I've never, ever witnessed a KO like that, ever. And not only was it a horrid KO, you actually did that against a legend, a great fighter. Roberto Duran is one of the greatest fighters of all time. You, you knocked out him with that horrid right hand. I remember... um Reading the articles at the time, and like Emmanuel Stewart was saying, like he was getting you to jab to the chest, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so you could lower the guard to pop that right hand over the top.
1: Right,
0: right. There's two performances of yours that I would say was my real standout performances. I would say the night that you beat Roberto Duran, that was I was. Driving back, I just come from a boxing show, as I'm driving back, I'm speaking to a trainer over here, Clifton Mitchell, who trains with quite a few world champions, and he was saying he felt that right hand that you hit Roberto Duran with, watching it in his house in the UK.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, you know, I I did some amazing things, but fighting against Roberto Duran was probably one of the next amazing things I did because... Roberto was a legend. People mm-hmm. looked at him as being one of the greatest fighters out there. And for me to defeat Roberto the way I did, people couldn't understand, they didn't understand what happened. Mm. Like he got caught, he got caught, he said he sat there, he sat there long enough for me to catch him.
0: It was a horrible shot. Seriously, that is one he of You
1: never see it coming. You never didn't see it coming.
0: Um, because I, I've heard like Roberto Duran speak about it and he said like, you know, he thought mm, it's Tommy Hans. Yeah. He, he's nothing special. You know what I mean? Cause he lost to sugar Ray Leonard and like, yeah, you don't want it. But boy, was that, that for me was one of the most scariest moments in boxing. That right hand of yours, especially that night, that night, there's, like I said, there's two there's two fights of yours that I'll say like you, that fight against Roberto and your fight against James Shula, um when it was like your comeback fight after coming up second best to Marvin Hagler, that fight there against James Shula, I remember reading like a man who said like that was a night that was the best Thomas Hearns. Do you believe that was your best performance with UK or James Shula in the first round?
1: I don't think it was my best performance. It was, it was a good performance, but no, I, I don't think it was my best. I think my best friend one of my best was against Bruce Duran.
0: You think so? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. The like I said, the what kind of buzz did that give you? How did that make you feel when you knocked out Duran? I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you hearers in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen
0: to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family
1: That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I felt, I felt like man, I was on top of the world because I was, I was doing things that no other fighter do was doing. Mm-hmm. I was making it happen. And the way I made it happen, people couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I made, I, but I showed that I, I had the ability to go out there and put out and do things I did. was able to do
0: it was a vicious knockout. I'm just saying that was a that was a vicious knockout. But I would say with the James when you fought James Shuler, was he black gold? Um black gold. Yeah, black gold. When you fought James Shuler, I remember who was it? I think it was Gil Clancy. Gil Clancy was saying, Look at Tommy, he looks like a he looks like a, a light heavyweight. Look at those back muscles. That you was just vicious in there. Everything. It was like. How you'd switch, you'd, you'd throw the jab and you go two left hooks to the body and then you go back upstairs and then you measure him out as well. you drop that right hand in. Boom.
1: That's why my plan was to, try to keep him busy, to work with to left hand, to keep him busy and then sink the right hand in there. He would never see it. he never seen it.
0: So was that the thing, like you'd use... You use your jab as a deterrent to fool guys so they can't see the the right hand that you'd throw
1: the jab is just to keep them busy until I'm ready when I, when I get ready I let it go I can't hold it back it's gotta go it's gotta go
0: so what 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 made you so brave in in the belief of that right hand shot of yours because like
1: because it got me out it got me out a lot of trouble in, in, in boxing. And when, when, when I know when I that I had a good right hand, I started working on it more, more each day. Every mm-hmm. day I worked on it, practicing, making the right hand good, making the right hand good. And when I got to, where, to the point where I, I felt like I was playing hard with it, then I started boxing with it. When I started boxing even the guys in the gym. They couldn't take it. So I knew I had a hard shot.
0: Like you, you sparred with a you sparred with a lot of guys.
1: Yeah,
0: um, a lot of guys. Um, a, a regular on our show is Mike McCullum, mm-hmm. and
1: um, well, Mike McCullum is a very good fighter. Excellent, boxing. he can box very well. And I, and I box with Mike, Mike McCullum. Me and Mike McCullum had some good shit boxing going on down in the gym. Yeah, we put shows on in the gym.
0: I uh, know because I've seen a couple of the videos of the sparring, but I remember like um, at the time, who did he fight? Um, he fought Braxton, then he fought uh, Milton McCorry, then he was looking to try and get a fight with you because he, yeah, he was looking to get a fight with you, and Emmanuel Stewart said that fight would never ever happen. No, and you know. It was, it was, it was kinda, it was kinda weird because like, I used to see your sparring that you guys had, and you're fortunate enough, like a lot of it's on YouTube now, so we can see it. And it's like, I think he's another one that is very, very underrated, especially for the things that he's accomplished or the things that he did in boxing. Mike McCullum was a great te- tactician. Like, how highly did you rate Mike McCullum?
1: I thought Mike, Mike McCullum was a very good fighter. He um. He thinks we're on the he, he uses his head very well while he's in the ring, so I thought it was a very good fight.
0: Okay, okay. If we go back to the famous war with you versus Marvin Hagler, which when you when you're in fights like that, there are no winners or losers because people will say the Hagler Huns, the Hagler Huns.
1: But you you see it as no winner, no loser, But I don't see it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see it like that. It's like, man, it's like I want, I want so bad to fight him again. But, but when he retired, when, when, when that happened to him, man, uh, I, I, I was very hurt by that. Not, not, not so much that I get a chance because because he's a good fighter, and, and I want, I want him for the world to have an opportunity to see us do it again.
0: It never did happen.
1: Never did happen.
0: Why do you think it never did happen? Do you think, because, I know like you broke out, you broke your right hand in the first round, right?
1: Yep. I think it never ha- happened because Marvin, Marvin, Marvin really didn't want it to happen because Marvin knew how well I can box, box and punch. And I think he knew that he, he, he got he got away he he with the first fight.
0: Yeah, because like, if you look at it, and I'm just gonna be honest. What Sugar Ray Leonard ended up doing with Marvin Hagler in 1987, which you, I remember you being there ringside with with your with your your, your Jerry curl and your big glasses <laughs> and your tuxedo. I remember, I remember yeah. that. You, uh-huh. Yeah, you you being sat ringside, and I remember um, how Leonard boxed Hagler with like, that hit and hop and hit and hop. Um, people, because you were knocking out guys in a way that you were, people seemingly forgot just how good a boxer that you were. You were out boxing Sugar Ray Lennon in your first fight in September of, of eighty of eighty one. You know, you could have opted to box Marvin Hagler, right? Why didn't you just box him? Because I reckon with your long arms and everything else, you most probably would have beaten him on points. Why did I, you fight him?
1: I came out. I came out with the, with the attitude of boxing. But when he came onto me, I, just, I changed, I changed everything, I forgot everything. I just wanted to show him that he wasn't, wasn't gonna have it like that. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted, I, I just changed my, changed my, changed my plan. plan
0: okay. Do you, do you regret that you changed your plan? Do you regret it now?
1: Yeah, I regret it, but it's just too late now. It's really too late. Okay. Because, you know, I, I did what I did because of my father, my mind right there.
0: Yeah. So like, if you had a chance in history to, to have faced anybody, because I remember after you knocked out, um, one Rodan to become the first man ever to win four world titles in 80, in 87. After Sugar Leonard retires after being Marvin Hagler and he relinquishes WBC crown and then you fight for that crown. That night, I watched that live on TV. Right. That night I, um, I watched it. I watched that fight live. I was 12 years old, hmm. right? I was 12 years old and you, you came out, which you were the fashion icon. You do realize that, right? Because I, I remember you was a fashion icon because Thank you, you was a pioneer because you were the first man that I ever, and I've watched a lot of boxing, right? You were the first man that I ever see with like a, the tracksuit as the dressing gown. You had a tracksuit and they, it was Velcro and they pulled it off of you. That was a mad statement because they pulled it off you. And then you see Tommy Herns with his, his, his tall long legs and his six pack. Who, who made that? tracksuit you came up with that idea of wearing a, a tracksuit into the ring that you could pull it off.
1: Yeah we we made that I, that was a long, long time ago but when we made that I i, I said I wanna do I want to do something different. I wanna be different. I wanna mm. I wanna come in with saying that everybody else came in I wanna come in with like a warm-up suit and and, and show them something different. You can't wear a suit but the warm suit was in two pieces.
0: Okay. Okay. Right. When you when you knocked out one Rodan, one
1: well, Rodan, uh, yeah,
0: it was a hell of a fight in four rounds. It was a hell of a fight because he, he 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 catch you overhand right, you back up on the ropes. You're like, okay, you think you got me, and then you just fired back on him. You know what I mean? And you hit him with a right hand, and you finish him off with the left hooks.
1: Yeah, Juan like, Domingo, Domingo Rodan. Yeah, different.
0: yeah. Unfortunately, he passed he passed away a, a few years ago now. Yeah. Um, if you. In that, in that fight with Rodan, he seemed like he could punch a lot. He was rough, he was rugged, he was very unorthodox. How did you learn to figure him out?
1: Uh, after, after a couple of rounds, I, I was able to, to, to determine what, what, how I should really fight him. And that was, just, was the way I fight him out, using the left jail, making, making him fight the left jail. You know, when you fight the left jab, you never ever see a right hand come.
0: Hmm.
1: You never see it because my left jab is so strong. You, you try and get with my left, left chair all the time. And when I, when I, throw, when I throw left chair, they throw the my hand. You never see it. Yeah. It, it be like it hit, it's, it's like it's hidden.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you think's changed in the game? Because like in, in your, in your time, it seemed like men were kind of more willing to go up and fight each other. Right? We're now seeing it now where it's kind of like, we're finally getting to see Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford for um, the Undisputed World Waterweight Championship. Now, the last time that I can recall of two men of note being black Americans fighting for the Undisputed Crown was yourself and, and Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, I'm talking about noted because we also had... Um, Your, your friend Milton McCrory when he fought Donald Curry in a unification for the World Waterweight Crown in 1980, in 1985. But I'm saying of the fight that was, that is the benchmark fight of unification. When they talk about waterweights and two stars going to collide, they always speak about yourself and Sugar Ray Leonard. What do you know of Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence?
1: I'm not very much about him at all. You don't?
0: No. You, okay, okay. Well, they're, they're the two, they're the two biggest names in the Worldweight division. And unfortunately, you don't know about those guys because it would be great to get your, to, to get your thoughts on who you think would win that fight.
1: I'm sorry. I, 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 I can't really comment because I really don't know. I, I, I know the name of the two fighters, but I don't know. I don't know their, their, fight, man, their ability.
0: Okay. Well, like if he was around today, um, Tommy, how do you think you'd deal with the fighters around today, and namely one guy who's now retired? What,
1: what, what you think? What? What? How, if you,
0: if, if you. you think do, yeah. Man, what do you think? How,
1: how, how, how I've been doing?
0: Now, I got, well, I got. I
1: got this. I got this. is
0: this, yep.
1: this is his selling things. This is. This is answer all the questions.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, how do you think you'd have done against Floyd
1: Mayweather? <laughs> but, <laughs> Floyd may have been just like the rest of them. I mean, not, not talking bad about Floyd, because I like Floyd, but I think that if me and Floyd would have fought, it would been the same thing. It would been the same thing. I, I, can't wear with him.
0: Okay. So if you look back in history, if there was anybody that you'd have liked to have fought past or present, uh, who, who would you like to, who would you have liked to have fought, Tommy?
1: I'm for more.
0: Yeah, but who would you have liked to fight? Like, if there's anybody that you could have gone up against, anyone in history? I don't know, Sugar Ray Robinson, maybe. Or
1: you no, know, I, I think I, my my main man was the greatest, Muhammad Ali.
0: Well, you sparred with Muhammad I remember you. No. I remember you sparred and, and, with him in
1: 1981. And, and in and me and Muhammad we sparred together and we had a lot of fun boxing each other. So I, yeah. I think if I if I, if I fought anybody in front of been
0: would it would have be been Mohammed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember in 87, after you beat Rodan, I remember the Ring Magazine doing an article on you, and they were talking about the scene from the Raging Bull. um, and he yeah, had Jake Lamar, who was, who was played by Robert De Niro, was saying like, look at my hands, my hands ain't big enough, but I reckon I could have beaten, um, Joe Lewis. I remember at that time that it was, it was kind of spoken about that you could have ended up fighting a Ben undisputed heavyweight champion in Mike Tyson. Did you really want that fight, Tommy?
1: I, I, knew it was never going to happen. I knew it <laughs> never happened, So we, 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 were just playing with each other because we knew it could never happen. It could never, I, no way I, get that way, no way I weigh that much weight. So I knew it was just, just talk.
0: Okay. Okay. If you had any advice for any young people who are watching this, listening to the great legend that is Tommy Hearns, because you are a legend, what advice would you give to any young fighters right now, sir?
1: I would say to them, make sure you get in there, do what you're supposed to, train hard, work hard, and expect the best. If you put if you put all into it, you get good things out of it. If you don't put your work into it, you don't get nothing out of it. So remember, hard work pays off.
0: Hard work pays off. Mr. Tommy, the hitman, Hearns, who was also the Cobra. Many people forget that one.
1: Mostly the Cobra.
0: Yeah. It's been a plum, pleasing pleasure. I am so honored. This has been the highlight of my year so far to speak to the great man, Thomas the Hitman Hurns, thank you so much for joining the fighters, right? Dream it, believe it, become it. Come on up. Thank you so, so much.
1: Thank you, thank you for doing it. Thank you very much yourself. Thank you.
0: God bless you, sir. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.